anything but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 and 7 thanks for joining us today this is the hour of intercession I'm Pastor Joseph Parker we invite you to look with us in the word of God to begin with in the book of Hebrews Hebrews chapter 11 beginning at verse 1 Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God, who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going, and even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead, a nation with so many people that, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there's no way to count them. Verses 1 through 12, Hebrews chapter 11. Thank you, Father, once again for your word, the wonderful and blessed and precious and mighty gift of your word. Thank you for the opportunity for us to open your word every day and spend time one-on-one with you as you speak words of blessing, words of life, words of grace, words of counsel, words of encouragement and empowerment into our hearts, our minds, our lives. With every passing day, more and more help us to grow an understanding of how powerful, what a blessing your word is to us when we're wise enough to make it a high priority every day 
to spend time with you in your precious word. We thank you and we praise you for the gift that it is to each and every one of us. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the Hour of Intercession. Isaac Jackson is our producer and he's going to lead us in a word of prayer at this time. Hey, Father, thank you so much for these moments. And Father, I ask that you'd speak now, that you'd uh, send your Holy Spirit to give us wisdom and understanding. Father, thank you so much for sending your Son. Uh, Thank you so much for doing so much that we might believe in you and that we might know you and that we might see you in your love. Father, I ask that uh, you'd be firm and strong-armed with us, but that you'd also be gentle and patient with us. Father, I ask that uh, we would every moment pursue more and more of your kingdom and that you would build your kingdom of life and of holiness and of righteousness here. In your holy name, amen. 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 Thank you, Isaac. And thank you again for being a part of our listening family. Today, uh, shortly, we'll be doing reading through the Word. But before we do, as we often do, we're going to share some uh, spiritual growth, some spiritual growth and edification articles that will encourage you and are to encourage you in your walk with the Lord, tools for you to use in discipling your family, and also tools to forward to others, saved and unsaved, fellow church members, family members, uh, fellow workers, whoever the Lord leads you to share them with. This first article is entitled, God's Word, Three Chapters a Day. Psalm 119, verse 105, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And then Hebrews four twelve. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. In Hebrews 4.12, practicing daily spiritual habits are necessary in our daily walk with the Lord. Why? Because followers of Christ are to be passionately faithful. In life, we form habits to help us consistently do things that are important to us, habits that help us accomplish the goals we believe are critical to our lives. I pretty regularly encourage believers to set a goal of reading at least three chapters in God's Word every day. This habit is one of the most important habits to establish in our lives. Why three chapters and why every day? Well, if a believer reads three chapters in the Word of God every day, that can be a basic spiritual meal. It might be that you read the same chapter three times, or you may read three different chapters doing either one is very fruitful and very wise. How is this helpful? Well, the Word of God is Jesus, and Jesus is the Word of God. So when you're reading God's Word, it's one, it's one-on-one time talking and spending time with Jesus. It's your daily appointment time with Him. The Lord Jesus will spend as much time with you as you will spend with Him in His Word. It's important for us to read the Word of God every single day. Just as our bodies need physical food every day, so too must we feed our spirits daily as well. God's Word is food for our spirits, like physical food is food for our physical bodies. Feeding your physical body every day can help you be strong, vibrant, and healthy. Feeding your spirit the Word of God daily can help you to be strong, vibrant, and spiritually healthy. Now, if a man or woman only ate a small snack once every day to feed their bodies, Very soon, he or she would grow physically weak. Likewise, when a believer only reads a verse or two from the Word of God every day or every other day, he or she will become spiritually weak. 
Sadly, it appears that too many believers live on what you might call a starvation diet spiritually. It's spiritual neglect. Too many believers may not even pick up a Bible for days. It is for this reason that many believers are spiritually anemic, spiritually weak and frail. My suggestion to you is today, start the habit of reading at least three chapters in the Word of God every single day. It's a way, it's a way of blessing and rewarding yourself. See Psalm 1, verses 1 to 3, and Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. Now, why start rewarding yourself? Now, now why not start rewarding yourself today? Here are 10 great reasons to start reading God's Word daily. Number one, reading God's Word daily tells you genuinely how to be saved and how to grow up in your faith. See John 3, 16. Psalm 119, verse 105, Romans 12, 1 and 2, and Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Number two, it gives you clear guidance and direction for your life. See Psalm 119, verse 105, 2 Timothy 3, 15 to 17. Number three, reading God's word daily empowers your prayers and your prayer life. See Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Number four, reading the word daily sharpens your ability to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit more clearly in your life. See 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 5. Number 5, reading God's Word daily ministers to your mind, body, and spirit. See Proverbs 4, 20 to 22. Number 6, reading the Word, the word of God daily helps you maintain your mental health. Number 7, reading the Word daily increases God's anointing on every area of your life. See 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 5. And number 8. Eight, reading the Word daily increases your wisdom in every area of life. See Proverbs chapters 1 through 3. Number nine, reading the Word daily enhances your intellect and your personality. It literally can increase your IQ. See 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 5. And then a tenth reason to read the Word daily is it pours grace, peace, mercy, and joy into your spirit, your mind, and your life. See 2 Corinthians 1, 2. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 2. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2. Galatians 5, verse 22. Reading three chapters a day from the Word of God will bless you tremendously. Let's make it a high priority. And parents, we're wise to have our children read three chapters out loud to us every day. It, it will greatly bless them and you and your home. Again, the title of that article is God's Word, Three Chapters a Day. And a second article we'd like to read is entitled, Redeeming the Time with Our Children. Again, Redeeming the Time with Our Children. Ephesians 5, 15 to 16. See then that you walk circumspectly, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Again, Ephesians 5, 16, 15 through 16. Then Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Isaiah 54, 13, all your children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. Again, Isaiah 54, 13. Proverbs 1, verses 8 and 9, hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Again, Proverbs 1, verses 8 to 9. Then Psalm 127, verse 3, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward for from him. And then finally, Matthew 19, verse 14, Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Again, Matthew 19, verse 14. Let the children come to me, Christ said in Matthew 19, verse 14. 
Our Lord Jesus took time with children and blessed them in his earthly ministry. We are wise to be sure and do the same. Our children, once they arrive on the scene, immediately begin to grow and grow fast. They're born into this world, and oh, how time flies. A few days after they're born, you blink your eyes, and they're graduating from high school. How time flies. We as parents have our children for a few days, and then they grow up and are gone from home. So we are wise as parents and as ministers that work with children to make the most of our time with them. In other words, we must redeem the time. We must use the time we have with them very wisely. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom, Psalm 90, verse 12. Yes, we need to redeem the time with our children. Yet a critical question is, how do we do that? What are things we can do to, quote unquote, redeem the time with our children while they're growing up in our homes? The following are a few discipleship projects or goals to pursue in the midst of discipling our children. They're tasks that can encourage spiritual growth and maturity in our children's faith. In other words, these are things we can do with our children to help us redeem the time with them. Number one, have each of your children read three chapters from the Bible aloud to you every day. If you're a grandparent, you could have your grandchildren to read three chapters aloud to you daily by phone if you need to do it that way. Coming up with a way to reward them so they will be further in, further motivated to read can often be a wise approach. Number two, pray daily with your children. Pray the Lord's Prayer with them every day. Pray the Ten Commandments with them daily. And pray Psalm 91 with them daily. Reward them to memorize each of these prayers and allow them to lead the, the praying of these prayers. Number three, pray the prayer of Jabez and the prayer of Isaiah with the, your children daily. Number four, assign them mission tasks daily. Some possible mission tasks could include calling granddad or grandmom or an elderly person in the church or in the community and read them a chapter from the Bible. Call them and pray for them. Go to the store and give out gospel tracts. Number five, give your child a cash incentive to read a book about a missionary. Pray daily with your children for ministers and missionaries. Number six, have each of the children memorize the Ten Commandments and recite them out loud to you. Number seven, discuss the meaning of the Ten Commandments and talk with them about how a Christian is to live them out in their lives. We can pick up on the other side. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession. We'll be right back.
The music of Planet Shakers with Only Way, a reminder that Jesus Christ is the only way to eternal life and eternal salvation. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession. We were sharing from an article entitled Redeeming the Time with Our Children. And a part of the article included a list of projects or goals parents can establish to do just that, to help them to redeem their time discipling and loving our children. Picking up at number six. Have each of the children memorize the Ten Commandments and recite them out loud to you. Number seven, discuss the meaning of one of the Ten Commandments and talk with them about how a Christian is to live them out in their lives. Number eight, have Bible quizzes with your children. Figure out a way to give prizes for correct answers. Number nine, give your children incentives to memorize passages of Scripture and recite them to you out loud. And number 10, reward them for reading the whole book of Jonah out loud to you, the book of Ruth, the book of Mark, Philippians, etc. These are just a few ideas. You probably could quickly come up with a much longer list of ideas and projects. A key goal for us as parents, grandparents, Christian leaders who work with youth, etc., is to make planting the Word of God into the hearts of our, uh, into the hearts and minds of our children, a high priority. The Word of God does so much for all of us and our children. It saves us, guides us, molds us, shapes us, and we could go on and on. The Word of God is Jesus, and Jesus is the Word of God. So when your child is reading the Word of God, he or she is spending time with Jesus. And remember, the Word of God, Jesus, heals all the ills of life. Let's be wise stewards of our time with our children. Let's do all we can and should to introduce them to Christ and guide them to live their whole lives for Him. There's no better life that our children could live than a life lived closely and faithfully following Christ. Let's redeem the time. Once again, the title of that article, Redeeming the Time with Our Children. If you'd like to get a copy of this article or the one, God's Word, three chapters a day, simply email us, joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. We'll be glad to get you a copy of each one or both articles. We pick up now, reading through the Word of God, picking up now in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 7, beginning at verse 1. When King David was settled in his palace, and the Lord had given him rest from all the surrounding enemies, the king summoned Nathan the prophet. Look, David said, I'm living in a beautiful cedar palace, but the ark of God is out there in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, Go ahead and do whatever you have in mind, for the Lord is with you. But that same night the Lord said to Nathan, Go and tell my servant David, This is what the Lord has declared. Are you the one to build a house for me to live in? I've never lived in a house from the day I brought the Israelites out of Egypt until this very day. I've always moved from one place to another with a tent and a tabernacle as my dwelling. Yet no matter where I've gone with the Israelites, I have never once complained to Israel's tribal leaders, the shepherds of my people Israel. I've never asked them, why haven't you built me a beautiful cedar house? Now go and say to my servant David, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I took you from tending sheep in the pasture and selected you to be the leader of my people Israel. I've been with you wherever you have gone, 
and I've destroyed all your enemies before your eyes. Now I will make your name as famous as anyone who has ever lived on the earth, and I will provide a homeland for my people Israel, planting them in a secure place where they will never be disturbed. Evil nations won't oppress them as they've done in the past. Starting from the time I appointed judges to rule my people Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. Furthermore, the Lord declares that he will make a house for you, a dynasty of kings. From when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name, and I will secure his royal throne forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. If he sins, I will correct and discipline him with the rod, like any father would do. But my favor will not be taken from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from my sight. Your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time, and your throne will be secure forever. So Nathan went back to David and told him everything the Lord had said in this vision. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and prayed, Who am I, O sovereign Lord, and what is my family, that you have brought me this far? And now, sovereign Lord, in addition to everything else, you speak of giving your servant a lasting dynasty. Do you deal with everyone this way, O sovereign Lord? What more can I say to you? You know what your servant is really like, Sovereign Lord. Because of your promise and according to your will, you have done all these great things and have made them known to your servant. How great you are, O Sovereign Lord! There is no one like you. We have never even heard of another God like you. What other nation on earth is like your people Israel? What other nation, O God, have you redeemed from slavery to be your own people? You made a great name for yourself when you redeemed your people from Egypt. You performed awesome miracles and drove out the nations and gods that stood in their way. You made Israel your very own people forever, and you, O Lord, became their God. And now, O Lord God, I am your servant. Do as you have promised concerning me and my family. Confirm it, confirm it as a promise that will last forever. And may your name be honored forever so that everyone will say, The Lord of heaven's armies is God over Israel. And may the house of your servant David continue before you forever. O Lord of heaven's armies, God of Israel, I have been bold enough to pray this prayer to you because you have revealed all this to your servant, saying, I will build a house for you, a dynasty of kings. For you are God, O sovereign Lord. Your words are truth, and you have promised these good things to your servant. And now may it please you to bless the house of your servant so that it may continue forever before you. 
For you have spoken, and when you grant a blessing to your servant, O Sovereign Lord, it is an eternal blessing. 2 Samuel chapter 8. After this, David defeated and subdued the Philistines by conquering Gath, their largest town. David also conquered the land of Moab. He made the people lie down on the ground in a row, and he measured them off in groups with a length of rope. He measured off two groups to be executed for every one group to be spared. The Moabites who were spared became David's subjects and paid him tribute money. David also destroyed the forces of Hadadezer, son of Rahab, king of Zobah, when Hadadezer marched out to strengthen his control along the Euphrates River. David captured 1,000 chariots, 7,000 charioteers, and 20,000 foot soldiers. He crippled all the chariot horses except enough for two except enough for 100 chariots. When Arameans from Damascus arrived to help King Hadadezer, David killed 22,000 of them. Then he placed several army garrisons in Damascus, the Aramean capital. And the Arameans became David's subjects and paid him tribute money. So the Lord made David victorious wherever he went. David brought the gold shields of Hadadezer's officers to Jerusalem, along with a large amount of bronze from Hadadezer's towns of Teba and Berothai. When King Toy of Hamath heard that David had destroyed the entire army of Hadadezer, he sent his son Joram to congratulate King David for his successful campaign. Hadadezer and Toy had been enemies and were often at war. Joram presented David with many gifts of silver, gold, and bronze. King David dedicated all these gifts to the Lord as he did with the silver and gold from the other nations he had defeated, from Edom, Moab, Ammon, Philistia, and Amalek, and from Hadadezer, son of Rahab, king of Zobah. So David became even more famous when he returned from destroying 18,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt. He placed army garrisons throughout Edom, and all the Edomites became David's subjects. In fact, the Lord made David victorious wherever he went. So David reigned over all Israel and did what was just and right for all his people. Joab, son of Zeruiah, was commander of the army. Jehoshaphat, son of Ahilud, was the royal historian. Zadok, son of Ahitub, and Ahimelech, son of Abiathar, were the priests. Sariah was the court secretary. Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, was captain of the king's bodyguard. And David's sons served as priestly leaders. 2 Samuel chapter 9. One day, David asked, Is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? 
he summoned a man named Zib Ziba, who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba? the king asked. Yes, sir, I am, Ziba replied. The king then asked him, Is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Ziba replied, Yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he? the king asked. In Lo-Debar, Ziba told him, at the home of Makir, son of Amiel. So David sent for him and brought him from Makir's house. His name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. David said, Greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, Who is your servant? that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me. Then the king summoned Saul's servant Ziba and said, I've given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and servants are to farm the land for him to produce food for your master's household. But Mephibosheth, but, excuse me, but Mephibosheth, But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, will eat here at my table. Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Ziba replied, Yes, my lord, the king, I am your servant, and I will do all that you have commanded. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table like one of the king's own sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah. From then on, all the members of Ziba's household were Mephibosheth's servants. And Mephibosheth, who was crippled in his, excuse me, and Mephibosheth, who was crippled in both feet, lived in Jerusalem and ate regularly at the king's table. End of chapter 9. Chapter 10. Sometime after this, King Nahash of the Ammonites died, and his son Hanan became king. David said, I'm going to show loyalty to Hanan, just as his father Nahash was always loyal to me. So David sent ambassadors to express sympathy to Hanan about his father's death. But when David's ambassadors arrived in the land of Ammon, verses 1 through 4, 2 Samuel chapter 10. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession as we're reading through the Word of God. We'll be right back.
music of Covenant Church with My Heart Cries. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. We continue now reading through the Word of God as we pick up in the New Testament, the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. When one of you has a dispute with another believer, how dare you file a lawsuit and ask a secular court to decide the matter instead of taking it to other believers? Don't you realize that someday we believers will judge the world? And since you are going to judge the world, can't you decide even these little things among yourselves? Don't you realize that we will judge angels? So you should surely be able to resolve ordinary disputes in this life. If you have legal disputes about such matters, why go to outside judges who are not respected by the church? I'm saying this to shame you. Isn't there anyone in all the church who is wise enough to decide these issues? But instead, one believer sues another right in front of unbelievers. Even to have such lawsuits with one another is a defeat for you. Why not just accept the injustice and leave it and leave it at that? Why not let yourselves be cheated? Instead, you yourselves are the ones who do wrong and cheat even your fellow believers. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or are abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must must not become a slave to anything. You say, food is made for the stomach and the stomach for food. This is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies. And God will raise us from the dead by his power, just as he raised our Lord from the dead. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And, you, and, and don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the, scripture, for the scriptures say, the two are united into one. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit 
who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Now regarding the questions you asked in your letter, yes, it is good to abstain from sexual relations, but because there is so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife should give authority over her body to her husband and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I say this as a concession not as a command. But I wish everyone were single, just as I am. Yet each person has a special gift from God of one kind or another. So I say to those who aren't married and to widows, it's better to stay unmarried, just as I am. But if they can't control themselves, they should go ahead and marry. It's better to marry than to burn with lust. But for those who are married, I have a command that comes not from me, but from the Lord. A wife must not leave her husband, but if she does leave him, let her remain single or else be reconciled to him. And the husband must not leave his wife. Now I will speak to the rest of you. Excuse me. Now I will speak to the rest of you though I do not have a direct command from the Lord. If a fellow believer has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to continue living with him, he must not leave her. And if a believing woman has a husband who is not a believer and he is willing to continue living with her, she must not leave him. For the believing wife brings holiness to her marriage and the believing husband brings holiness to his marriage. Otherwise, your children would not be holy, but now they are holy. But if the husband or wife who isn't a believer insists on leaving, let them go. In such cases, the believing husband or wife is no longer bound to the other. For God has called you to live in peace. Don't you wives realize that your husband's might be saved because of you? And don't you husbands realize that your wives might be saved because of you? Each of you should continue to live in whatever situation the Lord has placed you and remain as you were when God first called you. This is my rule for all the churches. For instance, a man who was circumcised before he became a believer should not try to reverse it. And the man who was uncircumcised when he became a believer should not be circumcised now. For it makes no difference whether or not a man has been circumcised. The important thing is to keep God's commandments. Yes, 
Each of you should remain as you were when God called you. Are you a slave? Don't let that worry you. But if you get a chance to be free, take it. And remember, if you were a slave when the Lord called you, you are now free in the Lord. And if you were free when the Lord called you, you are now a slave of Christ. God paid a high price for you. So don't be enslaved by the world. Each of you, dear brothers and sisters, should remain as you were when God first called you. Now, regarding your question about the young woman, the young women who are not yet married, I do not have a command from the Lord for them. But, but the Lord in his mercy has given me wisdom that can be trusted, and I will share it with you. Because of the present crisis, I think it is best to remain as you are. If you have a wife, do not seek to end the marriage. If you do not have a wife, do not seek to get married. But if you do, but if you do get married, it is not a sin. And if a young woman gets married, it it is not a sin. However, those who get married at this time will have troubles. And I'm trying to spare you those problems. But let me say this, dear brothers and sisters, the time that remains is very short. So from now on, those with wives should not focus only, excuse me, so from now on, those with wives should not focus only on their marriage. Those who weep or who rejoice or who buy things should not be absorbed by their weeping or their joy or their possessions. Those who use the things of the world should not become attached to them. For this world as we know it will soon pass away. I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. And unmarried men, an unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and in spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. I am saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. But if a man thinks that he's treating his fiancée improperly and will inevitably give in to his passion, let him marry her as he wishes. It is not a sin. But if he has decided to firmly, firmly not to marry and there is no urgency and he can control his passion, he does well not to to marry. Verses 1 through 37, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Well, as we usually do before we end the broadcast, if you are listening today and you have never made the very, very, very important decision of deciding Jesus Christ and inviting him into your heart to be your Lord and Savior, today is a good day, a great day to make that decision. If you'd like to be saved today and fully commit your heart and your life to the Lord, would you simply from your heart pray this prayer with us even now? Lord Jesus, 
Thank you for loving me so much that you came into the world a long time ago. You lived. You died on the cross to pay for all the sins and wrongs I've ever done. Three days later, you rose up from the dead so that I could be saved. Lord, I confess, I've sinned and done wrong in many, many ways. Lord, I repent and I turn from all the wrong I've done. Forgive me, Lord, for all the wrong things that I've done. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. In your word, you told us, whoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right now, Lord, I'm calling on your name. Lord, save me, fill me with your spirit. Help me to faithfully follow you all my life. Help me, Lord, to read your word daily. Help me to seek you in prayer daily. Help me to obey you as a lifestyle daily. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, we're very much wanting to connect with you, be in touch with you. Once again, my email is joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. Please email us, uh, and we want to share with you some literature and resources that will help you to begin to grow up and grow strong and put down deep roots in your new faith and, and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We hope to hear from you once again that email, joseph at afr.net. If you'd like to get copies of the articles we shared earlier, the two articles entitled, number, the first article, God's Word, Three Chapters a Day. And the second article, Redeeming the Time with Our Children, same email. Email us and let us know if you want both or both, want one or both articles. Again, joseph at afr.net. Again, joseph at afr.net. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for the Hour of Intercession. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.